What is it about the unknown that fascinates us so much? Is it for the thrill of it all? Or do we seek proof of life after death? Whatever our reason may be, we find ourselves being drawn in by these places and the bone-chilling tales that they have to offer. Tortured souls cross boundaries to reach out with stories that they want to share with us. There are times we simply hear the echoes of a memory on loop. The question that remains is this, are you open-minded enough to handle it? Dive into the paranormal with DC O'Rourke, your personal guide, as we traverse the globe to dissect haunted places in each and every episode of Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal, where the spirits are always waiting. My friends, welcome back. I'm DC O'Rourke, your personal guide, and I thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Episode 8 is now amongst us, and I'm very excited to announce we are going to be trekking to Northern Ireland to the province of Ulster for our next paranormal adventure. Ulster, believe it or not, is actually home to one of the Emerald Isle's greatest ghost stories, the story of the Cunyin Ghost House. The Cunyin Ghost House, there I go slipping into an Irish accent, sits on the border of County Fermanagh and County Tyrone. It remains as nothing more than the stone ruins of what was once a lovely cottage. In recent years, it was discovered by accident when the Northern Ireland Forest Service came in to clear the land. It was surrounded by nothing but acres and acres of trees. The people living in the area soon began to talk. This house had a negative energy surrounding it, and they eventually all remembered. They remembered the history of the place and what had happened there over a hundred years ago. The Forest Service put up a barrier around the property to keep people from wandering in as they were unsure what they wanted to do with the house. Several people have stepped up to the plate recently, making valiant efforts to buy the place. Most recently, a gentleman by the name of Peter McKinley has come forward. He's laid out plans, hoping to raise enough money to buy the ghost house and turn it into a tourist attraction. He would like to ideally restore the building to its 20th century glory. On top of that, there will be ancillary buildings, a caretaker's cottage, seven custom-built camping pods, and a traditional Irish one-room cottage style, along with a toilet, shower block, and a modest utility shed. That's all well and good. I can appreciate the man's idea, especially as a paranormal investigator. Hey, fix the place up, offer people the chance to spend the night. It's a ghost hunter's dream. Not everyone agrees with this, though. Numerous elderly citizens in the area have warned those who come round to leave the house alone. It's not something to be trifled with. It has a dark past. The Catholic Church has even intervened on a few different occasions. Perhaps we should take a look at the history and then investigate this further. The house was originally owned by the Burnsides, who sold the house to the Corrigans, and then the Corrigans sold it to the Sherrys. Uh, 
Now the Sherrys were actually the ones to first experience ghostly activity here, and they only lived in the house for one night, one night, before they were run off. Something evil dwelled within the walls of that home and made its presence known to them. They kept quiet about it, and finally they sold the house six months later to a poor unsuspecting widow named Bridget Murphy. The poor widow was never told a single thing about the paranormal activity and moved right on in the house with her six children. There was James, who was 21 years old, Anne, who was 18 years old, Mary, who was 16 years old, Teresa, who was 13 years old, Bridget, who was 12 years old, Catherine, who was 7 years old, and Jane Ann, who was only 3 years old. As for Bridget's husband, Michael, well, he had tragically died in 1911 when he was thrown from a wagon. Two years after that unfortunate day, Bridget decided that her family needed a fresh start. That's all there was to it. It wasn't too long after they had moved in, though, that strange things started to take place. It all began with mysterious knocks at the front door of the home. Whenever someone would go to investigate there, of course, was no one ever to be found. From there, the knocking turned every door in the home, which spread to the windows. Then someone would rap on the walls quite loudly. Just above the house was a storage room that was used for hay. The family would often hear heavy footsteps pacing around up there, which made no sense to them at all. There was only one way in, and that was using a stone staircase that adjoined to the farmhouse. Someone in the family would have noticed if anyone went up it. Every single time they heard the footsteps, though, they would go to investigate and never find anyone there. There was never any person to go along with those mysterious footsteps. Eventually, things got to the point where the widow, Bridget, was inviting in friends and neighbors from all around to lay witness to the ghostly happenings in her home. The family and their spectators would gather around in the kitchen and wait patiently. The show started almost right away. They all heard the banging on the windows, doors, walls, and they most definitely heard the footsteps coming from upstairs from the storage area where they kept the hay. The paranormal activity ended up getting worse. It seemed like whatever was there was extremely pissed off now. Bridget Murphy watched as plates flew off the dining room table and smashed against a nearby wall. All of her friends and neighbors had seen enough. This house was haunted. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They took off running and they did not look back. From there, the family was left alone with the angry spirit to soon discover it had made its way into their bedrooms. They watched in horror as their beds would levitate in the air for a few moments and then slam back down to the ground violently. At first, this was all so curious and so confusing. It escalated quite fast, though. Bridget knew something must be done, and immediately she turned to the Catholic Church for help. A father coil from McGuire's side would come to the family's aid. According to the priest, as the Murphys slept soundly in their beds, an ominous presence tore the pillows right out from under their heads, waking them up abruptly. 
He could hear it snoring in the dark and feel it as it sat upon one of the children's beds. When he laid his hand upon that bed to understand it better, he said he felt like a bunch of snakes were writhing around underneath him. The child, the child was no longer in the bed, so he lit up the room to reveal a human bulk that lay there just beneath the sheets. The sheets rose eerily into the air and then collapsed before his eyes. Then they began to swell again, and underneath them lay the human bulk once more. The strange snoring started afresh. This thing showed hostility to holy water, for it became truly angry, and it played back the tune of Boyne Water, a well-known song of the time period. He had no choice now but to play sacred picks where there was a noise, which sank underground but still sounded as if it were from the depths of some holy, unholy place. Father Coyle investigated this more than fifty times. Each time it came down like the sound of straw that had been tossed into the air. It functioned on a bed with testers in a corner where three or four young girls slept who were anywhere from three to eighteen years old. Over and over again it happened, and each time it did so he could feel the spirit spitting at him. It truly despised him and did not want him in the home. He came under the impression that the entity was named Johnny, so he referred to him as such. At one point, he requested that Johnny play the soldier song for him, which came back in the form of taps on the wall. On another occasion, a different priest came to the home of the Murphys. He found the widow and two of her daughters sleeping on pallets near the fire, just away from where the hauntings were taking place in the bedrooms. Later on, the children tried to return to bed. When they awoke, quite startled, they heard what sounded like a kicking horse. The priests ran to their side and clasped their hands. He even made an effort to cover their feet. He wanted to disprove that it wasn't them making the noises. Once he realized it wasn't the children, he suggested to them that the sound came straight from the pits of hell itself. A loud hissing sound was then heard from under the bed. The priest now stood with his hand on the bed and he challenged it. The entity skittered around under the bed like a starving rat. Then it slithered its way up the priest's arms, wrapping around him incredibly tight. It stopped when it got near his hands, like it simply could not progress any further. It dared not touch his consecrated hands. Oh no, it certainly did not. The local diocese of the Catholic Church gave official sanction for an exorcism to be performed. There was truly an evil presence in the home that needed to be vanquished. Two different exorcisms were carried out to no avail. A third exorcism was indeed sanctioned, but the priest who was to conduct it died before he was able to do so. The Murphys finally had enough and packed their bags. There was only one thing left to do here, and that was to get away from this place as far as they possibly could. They had themselves a poltergeist. Those aren't your typical spirits, by the way, who die and just come back for unfinished business. <laughs> only if. As a matter of fact, poltergeist in German means noise-making ghost. 
The Murphys had themselves a truly evil spirit that they would try to outrun no matter the cost. On July 30th, 1915, just two years after moving into their home, they boarded a ship in Glasgow, Scotland and made haste for the United States. Moving so far away would hopefully be the answer to their problems. Well, it was more than time. Off they went. It would soon seem, though, that the poltergeist followed them right up and aboard the ship, and it harassed them as they traveled across the ocean to their new home. Loud banging sounds would soon happen inside the cabin by unseen forces. Strange knocks would come at the door. Others aboard the ship complained. By the time they came into Ellis Island, though, in New York, their unwanted stowaway had fled and finally left them in peace. It has long since been said that spirits don't do well if they try to cross water. Maybe that was the case with the Murphy's poltergeist. Who can really say? The old cottage, though, found itself over the years falling into disrepair, and with it came a massive forest that sprang up all around it. The local newspapers reported on the Murphy house and the poltergeist activity, giving eyewitness accounts, but eventually the house was lost to the ravages of time. Then one day, the Northern Ireland Forest Service comes in and cuts everything down with the exception of uh, a few trees, several trees. They accidentally rediscovered the old house, and now people are talking again. They're all taking a trip down memory lane and remembering the Kunying ghost house in more ways than one. The house is a major draw for paranormal investigators, ghost enthusiasts, psychics, mediums, filmmakers, and authors alike. They all come searching for answers here. Is the poltergeist still lurking within the walls of the old home? A good chunk of people sure do seem to think so. It's there lurking in the shadows waiting for its chance to be heard by the world once again. It's dormant. As a matter of fact, a film producer brought a crew out to County Fermanagh to visit the Kunin ghost house and shoot a short film on it. This was back in 2007, from my understanding. They got all their equipment together, locked their cars, walked up the dirt road to the house ever so slowly. An elderly man suddenly appeared at the roadside and warned the film crew that no good would come from them visiting the house. They needed to turn around and leave before it was too late. The director within the group thanked the elderly man for his advice, and they continued onward anyway. Finally, they made it to the house. They shot their film, and about 40 minutes later, they were done. They found themselves walking back down the road, and just as they got near the end, the director just suddenly fell into a ditch. The rest of the crew tried their best to help him, but they soon discovered that his leg was badly broken. They quickly called emergency services, and it took them nearly an hour to arrive. While they were waiting, the elderly gentleman who had warned them about the house reappeared. He said, The house is an evil place. You really should have stayed away. After that, he vanished. The ambulance showed up, they fixed the director up, and then later on that, that night, 
him and the film crew, they went out for a few stiff drinks. He Obviously, the director needed it. As they sat around the pub talking, though, the director told everyone how he had absolutely no recollection of falling in the ditch. The film crew looked at one another sheepishly and said, Well, you didn't end up there on your own. We're pretty sure some someone pushed you who wasn't there. Sometime later, there were two American scholars visiting the area. They had heard tales of the infamous Kunyin ghost house and wanted to see it up close and personal. The two scholars arrived just after midnight and walked the long dirt road to the house. Armed with nothing but their cameras, a couple of flashlights, and their intellect, they were both pretty spooked before they even laid eyes on the house. A storm was brewing somewhere nearby on the horizon. The clouds were moving in quite steadily. When the house finally came into focus, one of the scholars was struck with this paralyzing fear. He felt a heavy pressure on his chest, and now it seemed that he was becoming breathless. It was very, very hard for him to breathe, no matter how hard he tried. The other scholar, his friend, told him to hang on. He was going to run around and snap some photos, and then he would be right back. Well, he took off toward the cottage, snapped his photos, came back. And then as a memento of their little adventure, he snatched a flat stone from the house that was leaning up against it and placed it in his pocket. By the time they made it back to the car, the one scholar could finally breathe normally again. The pressure had been lifted. Oh, what a relief. His friend bragged about the stone that he took away from the house as they drove along silently. The next day came. The sun rose high in the sky. The birds began to chirp outside, and the scholar who had stolen the flat stone from the house the night before now found himself unable to breathe. He writhed around in his bed, his hands clasping at his throat, and finally his friend called emergency services. He was rushed to the nearest hospital, and his friend, well, his friend who remained knew exactly what had to be done now. He drove back to the Kunying ghost house with that flat stone that his friend had stolen. Once he got there, he walked up that lonely dirt road. He got close enough to that creepy house and then he chunked that stone as hard as he could and he did not look back. He ran to the car. He hopped inside, started it up and drove to the hospital. And when he got there, he discovered soon enough that his partner in crime had made a miraculous, miraculous turnaround with his ailment. He was now able to breathe again. It was like the whole thing had never happened. All I can say is this, guys. Let this story serve as a reminder. If you go and visit a haunted place, never, and I repeat, never take anything with you. I don't care if it's a stone, a flower, a piece of dirt, nada. Leave the place alone because bad things can and will happen. They do 
all the time. One chilly February, a small group of paranormal investigators actually went in search of the truth at the Kunyin Ghost House. They took basic equipment with them, EMF meters, night vision cameras, divining rods, and a couple of spirit boxes. They got inside the house and began the investigation almost straight away. It was absolutely freezing inside. Then again, it was February. They tried their best to stay warm. The strange thing was, everywhere they traveled in the house, the temperature just sort of fluctuated. At one point, the group stood in one of the former children's bedrooms, filming with their night vision camera, when they heard a loud scream from somewhere outside in the forest around the property. Well, they all dove outside to investigate the source to instead find that a huge fire was blocking their one way out. It was right in the middle of the road. It was a raging fire, scorching everything around. The team ran back for the house to gather their equipment before they searched for a new way out. But when they got back outside, the fire was completely gone. It was nowhere. The ground and everything around it looked completely and totally normal. All who were involved thought, eh, it might be best not to come back for a good while. Obviously, something did not want them there. The last story I have for you guys about the Kunyin Ghost House in County Fermanagh is truly a very old one. It's been passed down through the generations time after time again. It's long since been said that an old pensioner used to live in the ghost house, and most unfortunately, he was murdered. A horse-drawn hearse showed up at the house the day he passed. His remains were loaded onto it, and then, for some reason, the horses refused to move. No matter how hard the drivers tried, those horses simply would not budge. Those who were in attendance went back inside the house to hash out the problem, and no sooner they walked in through the front door, they found an image of the deceased sitting on the dining room table. It was quite eerie. The table then began to rock back and forth as if it were alive. It was shaking, trembling all over. Obviously, they had a spirit on their hands. A priest was called, and he came in straight away. They confined the spirit to a circle where it was commanded in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to release the corpse. The spirit was angered, but the funeral went on as according to plan. The priest then took that spirit and bound it to a dog kennel where it was boarded up on all sides. The kennel was then passed on, supposedly, to different people in the area who took turns watching it as they could never let that spirit escape. Supposedly, he did escape, though, and he's the reason for the Murphy's Troubles in 1913. Whether or not he's still around, hmm, that remains to be seen. So there you have it, friends. The Kunin Ghost House is said to be one of the most haunted houses in the Emerald Isles. The stories of the house truly captured my attention when I first stumbled across it because I was actually looking at a completely different location to talk about 
in this episode, but I can always come back to that one later on. I've been diving further and further into this Kunin ghost house, trying to learn as much as I absolutely can about it, since I'm not physically going there at this point in time. One of these days, I will go there and I will spend the night and it will be fantastic. But for now, I'm just watching documentaries on YouTube, watching Irish uh, paranormal investigators go in and seeing what they come up with and seeing if they can make contact with anyone. And I mean, they're hearing the, the knocking, th the knocking sounds, stones are being thrown at them. They are hearing voices. They're, they're, they pick up a lot of chatter on their spirit boxes. I mean, oh, the stuff is just so incredibly interesting. Um, I'll take one of my favorite videos that I came across, uh, a documentary um, that the BBC did actually with Andy Matthews, who's sort of like, a, I guess, a psychic chaser. He goes all around visiting haunted places, brings in mediums and other people to try and debunk what exactly is going on. I'll share that documentary on the Facebook page for all of you guys listening to check out because it's very, very cool. Um, also, I've been finding some really good snippets from various books online, one of which will, I will definitely recommend. It's called The Kunyin Ghost House by Shane Leslie. He actually interviewed the priest who tried exercising the house and even spent the night there himself in search of answers and inspiration for his book. The book was released in 1956. I've read through various chapters um, just from what I can find on Google. Very, very enlightening. Um, I can, <laughs> I could, I just felt like I was there interviewing the priest alongside Mr. Leslie. Um, very, very fascinating stuff. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode eight of Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal. This podcast is now officially being listened to all across the world, which truly, truly blows me away. I am so touched by that. Let's keep it up. I appreciate every single bit of the, of the support that you're offering here. I appreciate each and every one of you that tunes in and listens to what I have to say in each episode. Now, do me a big favor. Leave me a review on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google, um, Pod, Pocket Cast, Overcast, you name it. Follow, follow this podcast on Instagram. Leave us a like on Facebook. Spread the word, more importantly. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising after all. Tell your friends, tell your family about this podcast. The more that tune in, the better. I'm going to try my hardest to start cranking out episodes more frequently. Seems like I've only been able to crank them out every three weeks or so, but between two jobs, one of them being an extreme ghost tour guide, by the way, paranormal investigating, and trying to have some downtime with my family, I have to make do with the time that I have available, you know? I hope you guys can understand that. By the way, some food for thought. 
What would you guys think of a hauntingly yours book one day in the near future? I'll take all the places discussed in each season of this podcast, expand upon them, throw in more stories, more history, and as many pictures as I can get my hands on. Ideally, I'd like to be able to go around and visit these places in person so I can investigate them myself up close and personal. But we'll see how that goes. Just let me know what you guys think. You can send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, or even drop me an email, hauntlyyourspodcast at gmail.com. Give me your thoughts. Give me your opinions. Give me, give me your suggestions for new places to talk about even. Until next time, guys, I am DC O'Rourke, your personal guide. I am and will remain, as always. Much like the spirits, hauntingly yours.